Welcome to the Hearts Entwined podcast. In this podcast, we'll be having discussions around the secrets which attract lasting, healthy, fulfilling relationships, creating a healthy mindset, and what women should know and understand about men. Introducing your host, Lynn Smith, the Queen of Hearts, relationship expert, trainer, speaker, and best-selling author of The Cupid's Bow Technique. Lynn's mission is to have a positive impact in reducing divorce, domestic violence, and suicide. Welcome to the Hearts Entwined podcast. This is your host, Lynn Smith, the Queen of Hearts. And today I'm very happy to say I've got another male guest. His name is Dan Bale, and he is from Los Angeles. Did you say Dan when we were speaking off air? Yes, ma'am, that's right. Excellent. So um, very different time zones that we're speaking on today. I'm sort of uh, late afternoon and Dan's speaking uh, in his early morning. So it's great that we're speaking to each other across the pond. And what I particularly like about Dan is that he talks a lot about masculinity and how that impacts our romantic relationships. So the first thing I'd like to ask you, Dan, is how did you sort of get into speaking about this? And, uh, you know, what, what personal experiences have led you to be doing what you're doing now? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and thanks for having me too. Um, what's I think fascinating is that I never wanted to be a masculinity speaker. <laughs> and that is something I never, I never thought that I would be. It's not that I never wanted to be it. I just never thought that I would be it. And I say that because, I mean, a lot of people look at me, I'm, I'm six foot two. I'm, I'm of a decent weight. <laughs> and a lot of people just assume Oh, you played sports. You played basketball. You played, you know, uh, football. You've played baseball. You've played whatever. Uh, and I'll let you know right now, Lynn. I play none of them, <laughs> <laughs> and especially I don't play them well at all. Um, and I think growing up in the the Southeast United States, there's a lot of expectations of well, you have to play sports and you have to do this and you have to be a gentleman and you have to do. And so there's just all of those expectations, but when you don't play sports, there's, a, or when you don't even follow sports, like my dad never put on ESPN because his thought was that it was just the same show on repeat every 30 minutes. <laughs> and so, and so uh, that, that kind of infused in me. And so we never really watched a lot of sports. We never attended a lot of like different games. And so I think growing up, um, I always felt a little out of place in my masculinity and never really felt like I fit in. Well, if I don't do sports and if I don't know how to talk about them, do I fit in with the guys? And the answer is no. And so um, I often struggled with my own identity around masculinity. And so I think as soon as I kind of continued to become a speaker in this realm over the last 15 years, I realized that there are a lot of men who are kind of tired with this, you're either toxic or you're not. Um, and, and the more that I continue to do a little research, the more that I was doing some readings around it, I realized that there are a, a lot of different identities, right? Masculinity is not a two-sided coin. It's not toxic and not toxic. Um, and so being able to look at things from a different lens was important to me and to give voice to those that maybe don't play sports to, to say that we can talk about these hard subject matters around masculinity and vulnerability that are difficult, but they don't have to be hard, right? Like we can break down those hard topics in a relatable, meaningful way. And so that's really kind of the, the, the miniature journey that, that I was on 
um, to, that got me to where I am today to be a masculinity speaker amongst other topics. That's fascinating um, because one of my main topics that I do educate people around is, um, you know, the, the subject of masculinity and femininity and, um, you know, the typically unhealthy traits that are associated with with both and mm -hmm. the healthy traits that are associated with both and how that dynamic works in the context of romantic relationships to make that then a, a healthy relationship. And I think masculinity has had a, you know, very much a bad press, um, you know, certainly in recent decades. And the whole subject of equality has been very misunderstood, you know, mm -hmm. because for me, you know, equality doesn't mean being the same as men, you know, men are not hairy women. <laughs> uh, it's, it's about, you know, understanding our differences and embracing those differences. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and this is where I never understood with, with any of the just general movements for equality, right? Whether that's uh, you know, voting rights, whether that's um, equal treatment, whether that's police brutality for any, like I have never understood. And for those listening, I am a six foot two straight white man and you can't mistake that. <laughs> like I am, am white. I never understood what I give up when I try to ensure and vote and, and, and make sure that people have the same rights that I do, right? The, the same ability that I have every day that I just wake up as a white man, then that all the privilege that comes with that, I don't understand what I lose by helping others have that same amount of privilege. Absolutely. Uh, and, and maybe that's just a different, right? Like I used to, I worked in higher education at, at universities and, you know, did a lot of social justice work. And I don't know if that just opened my eyes more, but I really, truly, that's, I think that's what I often struggle with here, especially here in the States right, right now. What, why is this? Like I lose nothing by making sure that other people have equal access to what I have access to every day. Yeah, and I, I totally support and agree with that. You know, I think um, equality means having equal opportunities and um, and embracing the differences, not only, like you say, between men and women, but, you know, every single aspect of human nature, regardless of sexual orientation, race, colour, creed, mm -hmm. ability or whatever that might be. And um, I certainly think as well, feminism that feminist movement hasn't helped and the me too movement which i can relate to hasn't mm -hmm. helped either because there's been a, a lot of man bashing on the back of that um yeah. which hasn't helped um it, as it understand really you know masculinity in the con especially in the context of um how to have a healthy relationship mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. well and, and i think to to pull that as well i mean the, the me too movement uh of which i'm i'm also a survivor um, and I, I'm a big proponent of that, um, of, of the overall movement and believe survivors first. Um, what's, what's fascinating, and I'll, I'll try to kind of weave this point <laughs> in and out. It's not that we don't fully understand it. It's that I think so oftentimes, and again, I'll use the, the United States as an example, because that's my best frame of reference, is that for so long, abstinence was the the only education method in fact depending on what state you live in it's still the only method of education <laughs> but we also know that abstinence education doesn't work period like there's there's research around this that we know that abstinence education does not work what does work 
providing options, providing different types of education, because not everyone learns the same. And I think that's what, um, gosh, for better or for worse, as much as I love the Me Too movement, a lot of all of a sudden a, a, a switch was flipped. And now it was, if you're not, you know, if, if you're not beating down the doors, if you are not, you know, calling out everyone, if you're not uh, just angry and mad as hell about it, then why are you here? Then you're not a supporter. Yes. And I think a lot of men want to support, but don't know how, but now all of a sudden it's the, well, if you want to stop rape, stop raping people, which is an abstinence approach to education around sexual violence prevention, which again, we know doesn't work. Uh, and, And so I think looking at ways that we can break down those barriers, that we can break down the, the, the anger and the frustration around that cop around the subjects to be able to say like, this is all nuanced. I I remember over the gosh, at this point, it was well over 10 years ago. Now I was on a panel um, and a majority of my work, uh, Lynn is around working with males and females that are identified in fraternities and sororities, right? So that's a very much United States, um, US approach with education with fraternities and sororities. But I was on a panel all around how men, specifically fraternity men, can be better advocates and allies. And all of a sudden we started to talk about the F word, (laughs) feminism. And I remember saying on this panel with a a gender studies professor, a couple of other women and another uh, senior administrator, I said, look, I don't consider myself a feminist. Uh, Because I, I think at the time feminism was very feminist, like you had to look or and or identify as a female in order to be a feminist. And so I, I jokingly said, I don't consider myself a feminist. I consider myself femi-curious. I want to help. I just don't know how, because when I try to, now I'm mansplaining or now I'm taking up space that should belong to a woman, which, okay, cool. But then at what point is it okay for me to help? Yes. Right. At what point do you want me to disrupt? Because here I am trying to show that I'm curious about it, but because I don't have it, quote, figured out, I don't know what to do. Um, and, and, and then therefore I'm a dis- disruption or a distraction in that process. And, and I think that's where it's like, look, I'm here. I'm happy to use the microphone. I'm happy to use the stage. I'm happy to use whatever I can. But then hopefully you don't, you know, hopefully you don't crap on me <laughs> if I make a mistake because people make mistakes. We are human one. And so I, I think I just, I want to give people the skills to be able to say like, let's just at least talk about it. And that is, I think when it comes to the relationship aspect, you know, I'm, I'm divorced. And so I'm in the dating pool, which is a nightmare. And so, (laughs) so, um, but I've often found, I often found that it's like, well, um, I want someone who has, I don't, can I curse on this? I don't know if I can. Yes, you can. Yeah. Perfect. Okay, great. Um, like I'll be on, a, I'll be swiping on profiles and one of them will say like, I want someone who has their shit together. Mm-hmm. And I want to be like, I'm sorry, boo-boo. Ain't no one in this world got their shit together. Like no one is, no one has it. We've all got something wrong. Uh, or it's the, you know, I want, um, I want a gentleman, someone who takes charge, but treats me with all of the, you know, the respect and chases me. And I'm like, gentlemen, don't chase though. Right. Like, like you want to at me, I got the Southern, I got the Southern mentality of, of what gentlemanly conduct should be, which also is grounded in systemic 
toxic masculinity culture. So it's just, it's fascinating in the dating world when women are like, well, I want someone who's vulnerable and open and, and myself being a vulnerability speaker. As soon as I start to open up, it's that, whoa, that's, that was a lot. I didn't, you're just, this was too much vulnerability. And I'm like, okay, so you say you want it, but then as soon as someone expresses emotion from a male, that's not anger or sports or angry at sports, then all of a sudden it's not what you wanted. And so men, especially college age men that I work with, they're shutting down because mm. it's easier for them to just not do anything yes, than to try to do something and get called out for it. So they are mentally, physically shutting down and becoming more recluse um, in the, in the nation on specifically on college campuses. And that's going to have a massive impact on how they show up for themselves and, and the rest of the world from here on out. And also I found that it, you know, that's not attractive either, you know, to the opposite sex because men, um, we, we do want you to be men. <laughs> we don't want another, you know, um, a female version in a masculine body, basically, you know, and, um, and I think women are confused about what they want and, and men are confused about how to interpret <laughs> what women want. Because... Yeah. <laughs> I've often, I often joke with men is that we, we are simple beings. We are a hundred, we are very simple beings. And when I joke with college age women, I'm like, look, if you are tired of dating the like boys on campus, then expect them to be men and we will change. But until we are ever uh, broached with this, hey, you must change or this will happen. Most men will always just regress to the mean of what's the lowest poor behavior that you'll tolerate. And great, that's just where I'll function. Um, and, and that's not good for anyone. <laughs> no, no, it's not. I mean, my education is is, is uh, around teaching, you know, um, people that we all have masculine and feminine energy, but in opposite sex relationships, usually one of you has the more dominant natural core feminine energy. And that's usually the woman. It's not always the case. And one of you has the more natural core dominant masculine energy. And that's usually the man. But again, that's not always the case. But it's that polarity of energies especially when you're operating both at your highest, healthiest levels that mm-hmm. creates the passion, creates the fulfillment, creates that attraction and desire. And that's being lost because I think we're being educated more and more to sit in that gender neutral zone, which is very similar gender, um, you know, energy, which, um, you know, we're almost becoming gender neutral, which doesn't create cash, passion or and it doesn't create attraction. I would, I would somewhat agree, but then respectfully disagree. I don't know. And, and again, coming at this from a, a place in the United States, um, you know, I think we've prescribed too many labels in the world. I think we try to put people into a box that makes sense for the majority. And if it doesn't make sense for the majority, then we other it. Um, Now, the majority for most of (laughs) the world uh, for a couple of millennia has been white men. Um, And so I think we have, we white men have created unrealistic expectations of what all of this is. Um, And we, we try to make it fit into the you're either male or you're female. 
I think we've got a, a spectrum of identities, right? Like, because I have a penis, does that make me male? By sex? Yes, yes, that does. By gender, I can be whatever I want to be. Yes. And, and, but I need to be comfortable with others to be able to express that. Mm-hmm. And so um, I think that's where uh, gender expression comes into play of, well, you know, what do you, like, how do you want to be? Who do you want to be? Um, and, and that's fine as long as it's able to be communicated. And then that's where a lot of items kind of like fall apart is that communication barrier of, well, um, uh, this is what I want from the relationship. Oh, well, some might, some person might say like, I'm ready for marriage. I'm ready for kids. But if the other person is not ready for marriage and not ready for kids, but they start dating and they never talk about it until it's too late. Mm. That's an issue. So communication about gender expression would be very similar. This is who I am. Here's who I'm comfortable with being. And, and here's everything else. Great. If that's not respected from the other partner, don't date the other partner. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, I'm and not so saying, you know, that works, it's, yeah, yeah, about that sex or gender. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, all I'm saying is, is about the energy that you're exuding is what creates that attraction to the yeah. opposite. Well, so I'll take your partner. <laughs> So the, the woman I'm, I'm dating right now, um, she is Yelp elite, right? So she Yelps a lot. And every place that she has picked for food has been fantastic. So deliciously good. Uh, and she has dietary res- restrictions. She's vegan. Uh, and so, because of course, because it's Los Angeles. And so, um, <laughs> but it, like I've picked a restaurant twice. And, and I have jokingly said, I'm not allowed to pick restaurants anymore. <laughs> like the food has not been as good as what you have picked. She was like, well, do you Yelp it? I'm like, no, I don't. I Google. And so, um, but we've jokingly said, I'm like, you're picking the restaurants. And so she told me, and this was uh, earlier this week, actually, she said, I, you're picking the restaurant. And he was like, you are going to pick that. And I was like, oh, okay. This feels like pressure. I will pick a restaurant. I'm so sorry if it's not as good as yours, but feel free to call me out on my inability to yelp. Um, but I think, again, that's the communication piece that she's just picked some really good ones because of her tools and resources that she has. I have not, and I want to do better. <laughs> but, but I think that piece of, I'm okay letting her pick the place. Like, I don't have to pick it all the time. And no, no, she's no, kind of like, nope, you're picking now. Like, cool. That's a communication piece. That's an expectation piece that has to be discussed prior. And that's where a lot of men struggle is that we've never had to be educated around masculinity because it's a term that has really only come out in the last 50 or so years as masculinity and much less exploring it and studying it and, and looking at what that means. And I'm thankful for, for women like Brene Brown, who are at least dispelling a lot of those vulnerability myths that yes. men can then start to open up uh, as well. But I think finding what works looks different. And, and we as men have not been given those, A, skills to adapt or change, B, skills to actually communicate uh, in, in order to be effective. And so C, we just shut down because that's easier. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and that is one of the, uh, you know, I suppose the diff, one of the main differences, generally speaking, between men and women, women are more likely to reach out for help and support, especially, you know, from other women, because that's the way we heal, we learn and we grow is we, we do communicate more than men. I think it's been shown that we 
speak seven times on average more than men, you know, in any particular time in, during the day. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, generally speaking, if, if you're, you know, uh, of the um, the feminine energy, not not gender specific again, but if you're of the feminine energy, then you're usually that that person that does reach out for self-help. So in some ways, women are more better equipped because we have no problem about talking about things and communicating or reaching out for help. Whereas men or the masculine energy, I should say, are generally less likely to. Well, I, the, the joke that I use, um, I feel like, and, and again, being a male, I don't, I don't know the experience of a women's bathroom, but I feel like there is no more supportive place in the world than a women's bathroom in general, uh, especially if you're at a party or at an event or anything like, I feel like, I, I feel like there's some sort of like an invisible flare or hand sign or call sign, like something that happens <laughs> that all women, all of a sudden it's like, she needs us. Who is she? We don't know, but she's in the bathroom and needs us. And then like everyone goes to the bathroom. I feel like you've talked about anyone and everyone at the event. Um, I feel like you've solved all kinds of world issues, um, but there's no more supportive place. Oh my gosh, you look great. Oh my God, you look great. Oh my God, I love your hair. Oh my God, I love your dress. And you're like, I know pockets, right? And there are, there's so many great conversations. My concern and issue is that that level of support ends as soon as women walk out. And then all of a sudden it's back to cutthroat. Like, well, that's this, that's this, this is what I wanted. This is what I, and so like that level of, 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 of feminine support does not exist outside of a bathroom. Whereas <laughs> men, we have no, we have no sign. We have no invisible flare. Like we have nothing. We just think to ourselves, I've got to piss. And so like we go to the bathroom and we're at a urinal. Like we literally stand at a wall because that's what we're good at talking to. Because <laughs> then we don't have to talk to anyone. And for the men listening, you all know the rule of the urinal. And ladies, let me just fill you in on the rule of the urinal, which is you leave a space. If there are three urinals, don't be the a-hole that goes to the one in the middle. You go to the one on the outside so that you leave a urinal space between you and the next person. Now, nothing says supportive environment like leave it, leave space. <laughs> and so I think I try to encourage guys to be like, it's okay to have a conversation in the bathroom too. Like, I'm not trying to be like, oh my God, I love your pants and shoes. Like, what a great combo. <laughs> Um, right. Like if you're in the urinal next to me, like I'm the smart ass, that's going to be like, Hey man, how's it hanging? Like, (laughs) I will do it because I think that we can dispel this concept that we have to be this, like, I'm just here to pee. And then I have to go like, you can shoot the shit with somebody around it and, and be fine. You're not going like, I'm not trying to peek dude. Right. Like I don't care. And so we've made it into this weird, awkward piece in the men's room but that's only a reflective of the larger society that, well, I don't want to talk about my issues with anyone. Why would I go to counseling? Let me tell you right now, Lynn, I go to counseling every week and that is glorious. It is amazing. And I love it. We need to do that more um, because I don't think I found my core group of friends that I actually like vent to and process life with until I was probably 35. Um, And that's when I finally felt like I had my group, my crew, and, and that's a long time to go without knowing kind of like who to talk to. Um, uh, you know, my, my marriage was falling apart and I didn't know what to talk to, who to talk to. So I reached out to one friend and he connected me to three other people that were going through some stuff too, but we had no idea. Uh, and I think that's just, it's a shame because we don't, as men know how to be supportive in that role. 
No, and uh, I do agree with you. And I think it all starts, you know, that in actual fact, you know, we're not educated or parented around these sorts of topics, are we? And how different, you know, life would be if we grew up knowing this information, um, you know, and being supported with this information right from, you know, our first educators, our parents through through our school systems. We're just not given these sorts of life skills, are we? No. Well, and I, so I've got two kids. I've got a 12 year old and a 10 year old. Um, my 12 year old daughter is amazing. Uh, my son also incredible and he's 10. Um, and my son right now is to the point where he, as soon as he starts to get frustrated, he shuts down. Like I can see it in him. Um, and I'm like, Ooh, you get that from dad. Um, and so I try to be like, Hey, what's going on? And he's like, nothing. I'm fine. I'm like, number one, you are 10 and too old for this or too young for this attitude of a teenager right now. Um, but I'm like, Hey, I, I know something is up. I'm here when you're ready to talk to me. Cause what we also know doesn't work in terms of parenting is the like, tell me what's wrong. Just tell me what's wrong. Just shake me and tell me what's wrong. Right. Like that doesn't, that doesn't work. No. Um, but I think for us, the best way that we can model that is, is, is for, you know, in terms of masculinity for children or just general, you know, our children is the communication and relationships. Hey, I know you don't feel like talking about it right now. I'm curious as to why you seem a little off or, you know, this is what I'm feeling. Um, I'm here when you want to talk. Like, just pull me aside and be like, hey, can we go to your room and talk real quick? And he's done that a couple of times of just like, okay, I think I'm ready. Can we talk? And we'll pull me aside into my room and, uh, you know, it'll be like, hey, this is what it is. And it's something stupid, asinine. You know, my sister did this. Okay, well, she's a tween. And so that's where we're at. (laughs) But I think we have to do a better job um, role modeling what communication and vulnerability can look like. Yeah, most definitely. And uh, I think, you know, we're getting there because I think it has helped that, I suppose we're transitioning more from a patriarchal society into a more matriarchal society, which is, a, you know, about learning more about being and hopefully boys are getting and, and men are getting that it is OK to feel safe, to be vulnerable without being perceived as being weak, which mm-hmm. I think, you know, most of them are grow up with um, that, that perception in mind or are teased and taunted, you know, mm-hmm. by their, their uh, peers. Around. Well, my friend James, he says that if vulnerability is a weakness, then why is it so damn hard? Yeah. And, and same for women, I think, as well. You know, vulnerability can be quite hard for women. You know, that, that can be perceived as, um, again, you know, a, a weakness or, you know, um, a, a certainly, you know, since women have been more, I suppose, um, independent on the back of the feminist movement, which is great, you know, support, as I say, equal opportunities for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I have noticed is but on the back of that, because we've become more independent, we step more into that masculine energy mm-hmm. vibe. And that isn't attractive to the sort of men we want to attract, you know, because all the, the, the men that we, we, are, we are attracted to experience on the back of us being in that masculine energy um, is that feeling that, oh my gosh, you know, there's another male energy in the room. They might not even rationalize that in the head, but they, they, they can just feel mm-hmm. it. And then it can lead to conflict and, you know, a lack of attraction for that woman because all the man can experience is that 
you know, challenge to his own masculinity. But and I, but I think that that's an ego piece as well. Yeah. Right? Like that's male ego that we've also not taught men how to deal with. Because yes. so, like um, my, my girlfriend makes probably two and a half times what I make. She's a COO of an incredible um, agency. And so I'm like, and we were talking about, we were on a hike the other day. Uh, and I was like, by the way, I was like, I just need you to know, like, I'm not mad about how much you make. Uh, and she was like, okay, I wanted to ask you about that. <laughs> because again, for me, I was like, more power to you. Like, I'm super happy. I was like, I'm going to actually let you pay for more food now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I told her, I was like, look, like, it's not a like your industry just pays a stupid great amount, which is incredible. And you've earned your path there. Like you've been with that agency for 13 years and you've worked your way up and da, da, da. And I'm like, plus what you do is incredible. So like, you've earned that. I'm not mad about it. I'm like, if I want to make that much, great. I'm going to bust my ass and make, and, and, and continue to like diversify and figure out what I'm going to do. And right. Like, and let me two to two and a half times my income. That's not an ego thing. Um, and I think even when I was getting divorced, as soon as I let my own ego go and realize that it's not about me, it's about my kids. And that's where I want them to be happy and have two loving parents that happen that hopefully still get along. Um, and I'm thankful that my, my ex-wife and I still do a lot together, but we have to be able to put the ego aside because I don't know that it's about feeling threatened that a, the woman is there or anything. I mean, it's not, it's not about any of that. It's the, am I secure enough in who I am? And am I successful enough in what I want to do? And that's the fun part. Who defines success? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We can, we as individuals can. I am happy with what I do. I'm good with what I make. Do I want to make a little bit more? Yes, because she chooses really nice restaurants. And turns out the food is, is, is good at really nice restaurants. But food and jokes and stuff like that aside, I want to be able to, to show my own children and to model the way for others, which is why I do this, this speaking work around like, look, it does not have to be hard to create a conversation that matters with another man, with a woman, with whomever. And that, you know, like Lynn, it's not like I'm going to start out and be like, okay, so, hey, Lynn, it's great to meet you. What's your biggest fear? <laughs> like, I'm not like, that's not how conversations start. And no. we need to be more comfortable with having those iceberg moment conversations of, you know, hey, Lynn, how's it going? How's the weather? What you doing? Right. Like the standard stuff on top of the water, but everything below that is so rich and so cool and so in depth. Um, and so we, we throw away those conversations a lot. Hey, how's it going? I'm fine. Okay. It's not actually, it's not actually what we said, but okay. Like being able to have that level of a conversation where you've got the ability to ask where it goes and really show up with curiosity, show up with an intent to invest. Um, that's going to be helpful for any relationship, not just, you know, a romantic relationship, but any relationship in the world um, can, can really come back to how you show up and ask questions. Absolutely. hundred percent agree with that. So Dan, what is your best email or contact information address for anybody that would like to get in touch with you on the back of you sharing your wisdom today with us? Um, so the easiest way, again, my name is Dan Fail. Um, it turns out a lot of, not a lot of fails in the world. Um, so I am danfail.com. So D-A-N-F-A-I-L-L.com. And that's also my Instagram and social media handles on Twitter as well. Easiest way to go hold of me is probably on Instagram, but, but the website's right there for you. 
Excellent. And finally, have you got any wise words of wisdom to share before we sign off? Um, many. You're asking a keynote speaker to give wise words of wisdom in just a couple minutes. Um, here's what I'll say, and I kind of alluded to it. Who defines success and where does that come from for you? And if you can understand why that voice in the back of your mind is saying, well, you're not good enough, or why aren't you sharing, or why aren't you showing up better, or um, you're not a man enough, who, who defined man enough? And why can't you show up comfortably and confidently as whomever you want to be? The more that we can show up with our authentic selves, the more that we can connect with people on a deeper level. And so my hope is that people show up authentically and that you do that work to explore who you are. Excellent. Love that. Thank you so much, Dan. It's been a fascinating conversation. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you. Appreciate it. And it just leaves me to say that true love starts with opening our hearts. And until next time, goodbye for now. Thanks for listening to the Hearts Entwined podcast. You can follow Lynn via the Facebook group Two Hearts Entwined or search Lynn Smith, inspirational speaker at LinkedIn or email lynn at hearts-entwined.com. That's L-Y-N at hearts-entwined.com. Remember, true love starts with opening our hearts.